Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Samuel chapter 23 from the World English Bible. David was told, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Cala and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Shall I go and strike these Philistines? Yahweh said to David, Go strike the Philistines and save Cala. David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Cala against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of Yahweh yet again. Yahweh answered him and said, Arise, go down to Cala, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. David and his men went to Cala and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and killed them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Cala. When Abiathar the son of Ahimelech fled to David to Cala, he came down with an ephod in his hand. Saul was told that David had come to Cala. Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that has gates and bars. Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Cala to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was devising mischief against him, and he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Yahweh, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Cala to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Cala deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Yahweh, the God of Israel, I beg you, tell your servant. Yahweh said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Cala deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? Yahweh said, They will deliver you up. Then David and his men, who were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Cala and went wherever they could go. Saul was told that David was escaped from Cala, and he gave up going there. David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds and remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God didn't deliver him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the wood. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the woods and strengthened his hand in God. He said to him, Don't be afraid, for the hand of Saul my father won't find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you, and Saul my father knows that also. They both made a covenant before Yahweh. Then David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doesn't David hide himself with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hill of Hakilah, which is on the south of the desert? Now, therefore, O king, come down, according to all the desire of your soul, to come down, and our part will be to deliver him up into the king's hand. Saul said, You are blessed by Yahweh, for you have had compassion on me. 
Please go make yet more sure, and know and see his place where his haunt is, and who has seen him there, for I have been told that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides himself, and come again to me with certainty, and I will go with you. It shall happen, if he is in the land, that I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. They arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah on the south of the desert. Saul and his men went to seek him. When David was told, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. When Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David hurried to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men surrounded David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid on the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place Selahamalekah. David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. That is the end of chapter 23. Throughout the chapter, we see the shift that has taken place in David. Now David is still running away from Saul, but he is being thoughtful in many ways. In the beginning of the chapter, he sees the need to protect someone else, even though it puts him at risk, and so he inquires of Yahweh about whether or not he is to do that. The text makes it very clear that Yahweh is answering him, but this is not like when Yahweh spoke face-to-face with Moses. So how is David inquiring of Yahweh? It's not completely clear to me if Abiathar the priest shows up with the ephod just before Kela or not until after they get there. But generally speaking, that is how the people of this time period inquired of Yahweh. To understand this in more detail, you can look up places like Exodus chapter 28 and Exodus chapter 35, where it um, talks about the way that they were supposed to make the ephod, and particularly in Exodus chapter 28 verse 30, talks about the Urim and the Thummim that were placed in the breastplate of the high priest, and he had the special role of inquiring of God for the people. And so Abiathar was in this role at that point. So in his anger, Saul had killed all of the other of the priests, the high priest family, and the only one left was with David. So Saul had deprived himself of this ability to inquire of God this way. I did a little research about what the ephod is and what the word means, and I'm going to put a link to a website that I think explains it really well. But in sum, The word seems to refer to a garment, but then there is also a specific priestly ephod that is made very elaborately and is used for the purpose of inquiring with God. And when it talks about an ephod in other places, like with Gideon, um, and I believe it's Micah in Judges, they're using some perversion of the idea of the garment of the ephod for inappropriate worship. So God set up this way of inquiring of him and I wondered why. One thing that came to my mind is that every time he tried to speak to them, they all got very afraid. And they didn't have the whole Bible and his Holy Spirit to guide them like we do. Though God certainly can always use unique insights and instructions that he gives to individuals, we have very specific guidelines and principles in the Bible and the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. And if we are trying to do things according to his way, 
according to his principles and our love for following him, then he will guide us. In verse 7 of this chapter, it's just astounding to me that Saul would still say something like, God has delivered David to him to be killed. It's just one more indication that he is completely deaf. He has seared his conscience to what God wants him to do and to know. And then in verse 10, there is a complete change in David, again evidenced, in that he's not—he's no longer fleeing in careless, abject fear. He's asking God for direction. And because of this, it appears that Kayla is spared, unlike the priests who were killed earlier. And then you have the part of the story where God is continu- continuing to guide David back into the affairs of Israel. God has made David promises, but David is expected to take action according to God's directions and the wisdom he gives him. Also in verse 13, we see his company of companions fighting people with him as enlarged to 600 as compared to the 400 mentioned in chapter 22, verse 2. And then we have verse 14, where it says that God is not delivering David into Saul's hand, which is in direct contrast to what Saul is claiming. So we have what Saul claimed about God, and what God is really doing. And verse 16 is such a beautiful picture of Jonathan being faithful both to David and to God's anointing of him, and I thought that was such a strange source of encouragement for David. In verse 19, I cannot think very highly of the Ziphites. Word had spread, as evidenced by other places that we've read, spread all the way to the Philistines and to Moab, that David was anointed as king. But these Ziphites were more interested in gaining favor with whoever was in power at the moment. And then in verse 21, we have where Saul says, uselessly, that they are blessed of Yahweh because that is not very likely. And I think this is an example of using God's name in vain. He is speaking things about God and acting like he represents God when he is not. The whole section uh, describing David hiding in the woods and the way that Saul is describing him made me wonder if this is where the original Robin Hood story came from. And then in verse 27, we see that when there seems to be no hope for David, when he has done everything he can, God orchestrates to save him. And then I realized that this reminds me of Joseph's life. Joseph first, when he went to Egypt, he was in a very rich setting. He's working for Potiphar. And similarly, when David is first anointed king, he spends a lot of time in Saul's court. And I have to think that he was learning things there that would be important to him when he was going to be king. And then compared to Joseph in prison, learning the things there, we have David hiding in the wilderness and learning hard lessons of strategy and trusting in God. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 